You're listening to the Conversations with Kids Peace podcast. Advice, information, and inspiration from experts at the leading provider of mental and behavioral health services for children, adults, and those who love them. Now, here's your host. The Conversations with Kids Peace podcast is sponsored by Spyglass Solutions, a nationally recognized management consulting group with comprehensive experience in the challenges of the healthcare field. Learn more at spyglasssolutions.org slash conversations. Hello, and welcome to our podcast series, Conversations with Kids Peace. I'm Bob Martin. The fall-winter 2021 edition of Healing Magazine is now available at healingmagazine.com. The issue spotlight section is called Telling Stories, and it features perspectives on the importance of stories and storytelling in addressing mental and behavioral health challenges. Among those perspectives are articles about storytelling in the therapeutic space in two very different contexts. On this episode of the Conversations podcast, we talk with those authors to, for lack of a better phrase, tell the story of how their approaches work. Here are those conversations. An article in the latest issue of Healing Magazine looks at an approach in treatment of those individuals who are survivors of commercial sexual exploitation, an approach that seeks to harness the storytelling power of film. The article was written by Emily Taylor Ginger and Mark Steenbarger, principals at Point of View Story LLC, and they join us now. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. All right. So jumping right into your article, which is fantastic in the, in the magazine, one concept you bring up that I thought was really interesting was the so-called stuck points and the role they play in abusive relationships. Can you briefly explain what those are and, and why they're so problematic? Yes. So in therapy, we talk about stuck points as the topics and beliefs that become barriers to the healing process for clients. Often these are topics that are difficult to talk about or to address, things like trust and choice, identity, a sense of belonging. Most of us can identify more overt types of harm, things that we can see with our eyes, like physical abuse, but we can't always identify or talk about the more covert types of harm that can come up. And so point of view story with our films, we really try to meet that gap that exists between identifying those therapeutic stuck points and actually addressing them. And we do this through use of story and more specifically through the use of film. Now, you note that the use of film as a psychotherapeutic tool has been around since the 1940s. Why is that medium so powerful in this realm? And and what is it that Point of View Story does with the films you create to enhance that positive effect? So there are a few pieces to why we believe Point of View Story films are effective and um, a great space to utilize them is in the therapeutic context. Um, One being just kind of practically the nature of our films, they are short, about five minutes long versus a traditional movie or film that would be one to two hours long, um, which can be really difficult to do in a therapeutic setting um, or to prompt a client to to watch outside of therapy. 
Um, so the condensed kind of, yeah, open-ended nature of our films really um, helps expose clients' worldviews and belief systems to help fill in the missing pieces um, of their story because they get to be the one to share what they believe is happening in the film um, based on their experiences and what they've been through. Um, film can also act as a form of containment. So um, it helps in the therapeutic process that the film and the story is actually contained within a physical screen in the TV or in the laptop. Um, and that can create a level of desensitization and um, disarming nature because that film, that story is separate from the space of the person um, in that therapeutic setting. And so there can be a level of safety that's created when that content, those hard topics are addressed outside of their own personal story and through the story of someone else. Mark, you're a, you're a filmmaker by trade, by, by training. Um, it's yeah. got to be exciting for you uh, to be uh, uh, to, to to find this way of using that medium. Yeah, um, I I know when I was first wondering if this could move the needle, as we say. Um, I knew that I've been to movies, I've cried, I've laughed. Um, others, you know, made me think, and I'm. You know, some of the best experiences when I was walking to the car with friends that you've just seen a movie with and we're debating about a character's choice or what really happened. And those are great moments. And I was thinking, like, a lot of times in life, it's so hard um, when you're in the middle of something to be able to step out and do that. So when I originally embarked on this, I met with a psychologist that uh, Emily worked with and my wife worked with and um, just asked him, I said, can film be utilized in this space? And then he kind of used the explanation that Emily just shared and just how our key mode of awareness can be put aside. And that's the disarming element that we talk about when we say art is disarming. And yeah, and it, that it could create then an open space. And, and I like that concept of parables. Um, I mean, those those date back like 2000 years ago, uh, where a story was told and everybody was left like, what does that mean? You know, and I was thinking that there's a reason that that format, that structure, that story structure was utilized. And we don't have a lot of time anyways. We want these to fit in a therapeutic context. So we know we can't be very long. So the five minute you know, duration with that kind of structure seemed to be a sweet spot to do. But we also knew um, just watching the film and we get this feedback people like it's a similar reaction they're like okay that was great but what's the point and so that's why Emily's materials that accompany it, it really is the both and of those two parts that we feel like the power uh, will come and we've also done this very 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 intentionally where like a Hollywood movie you might find something that you can pull in a current one right now for example is made there's a lot of things that happen in that film that's very relatable it's really authentically done but the talking points may be fewer where we've really tried to create a dense experience that we can talk about. So yeah, so I love to create moments and I'm not as skilled as my wife or Emily are in, in the clinical side of things, but to think that I can create a moment, an empowering moment um, is, is, is so fulfilling, very much. 
What have, what have you heard from practitioners in the field about the use of the films? So we've met with folks across the country um, to share our films with them and receive feedback. And we also have a set of folks who are actively implementing the films with clients. And time and time again with these researchers, therapists, medical doctors, case managers, advocates, and survivor leaders, we have received positive feedback and each of them are able to pinpoint a way that they can see this fitting into their setting. And that's what's been really exciting is that over and over, we've seen individuals who say, people are not doing this work. There's not other active tools that are really coming out specifically for the population of commercial sexual exploitation, um, especially outside of documentaries. And so, they are excited about this work and um, specifically with the facilitators who have been implementing the films with clients, we've heard the feedback that the, the facilitator, the therapist is able to see new parts about the client's belief system and worldview that they may have never understood or come to know if they had not used these films. So we've been extremely encouraged. Bob? Uh, I, my background was prior to film was software. And, and I enjoy watching some parallels because when you write software, you have code reviews. And when you create film, you have screenings. And they, they're both, you know, giving you that candid, harsh reality of, of your world. And um, in the 25 plus years of doing software, nobody has ever used the words like amazing or phenomenal or wow. <laughs> So that we've received that type of feedback. And, and so just from a professional perspective, I really do feel like we have something special because um, I've, I've never received that kind of feedback in a time. So yeah, it's, it's been better than expected. That's fantastic. Hey, if folks want more information about Point of View Story, uh, what can they do? Yeah, we're um, Instagram, follow us there, Emily. Uh, you'll see two things. You'll see great quotes that show the evidence of what we do, though, thanks to Emily. Or you might see some um, stills from our films that we are we're currently at six made so far, uh, and that'll be from me. So it's kind of fun to see both content, but that's on Instagram primarily and Point of View Story spelled out. And then, of course, our website is also pointofviewstory.com. We do have a link in the upper right, uh, which will a quick form just to let us know who you are and we'll get in touch about how to onboard, how to get access to the streaming platform, which is our access point to be able to utilize the films in your sessions. Yeah, and, and in the article, you talk about how you've made them um, as um, easy to incorporate into the work that they're doing as possible, which I think is also very uh, very important. As Emily, you said, you know, you have a movie that runs two, two, two hours, 15 minutes, um, and you have to pull out that, you know, there's, that's a lot of work uh, to be able to do it uh, with, uh, I was going to say with the science of today, but for someone of my age, it's sort of like the magic of today, uh, where you can do that with the technology. That's wonderful. Yeah. Now, we usually ask our guests on the podcast for a life hack. This could be a favorite saying or a piece of advice, whatever. I'd like to change that up this time. I'd like to ask each of you to tell us 
your favorite movie and briefly why it is your favorite. And I think we'll start with Mark. Okay. This is embarrassing, Bob, because I don't know if I have a favorite one, and which is really like, I, as a filmmaker, you think I would be, a, but um, what I do enjoy about films is because of the work we do, two films that really fascinate me. One is a very well-known one called The Matrix and another lesser one known called The Game, which uh, invited Emily to watch and she's seen it. But because they both have two realities, a, a true reality and a manipulated reality. And honestly, you know, that's what our clients are facing against. So films that kind of illustrate that and point that out um, fascinate me. So I really enjoy those just because of how they executed that. And another area that I am kind of new to myself too, since we're doing short films, I was like, I really want to learn more about short films. So I became a screener for a local uh, film festival here in Indy. And so I screen almost 300 films, a shorts a year. And what's the downside is you can't really, shorts aren't really accessible because they're in film festivals and they can't be publicly available. But there's two, one called Prude and another one called Phase 5. Uh, and the way that they just execute in, a, in, a, in that 10-minute space is so powerful. And Phase 5 specifically addresses grief, but the way they went through the five stages of grief and interwove it in such a subtextual manner is really, really worth, worth the watch and worth the check. But uh, So that's my answer. <laughs> that was awesome. Emily, how about you? Yeah, so I narrowed it down to a favorite holiday movie because favorite movie was so broad <laughs> with the holidays coming up. So I chose the movie Elf, um, which is such a lighthearted and kind of fun movie. And yet there's also a lot of depth that happens within that movie where we see this person processing through what it means to feel like a misfit and looking for a place to belong. And we they talk about adoption and new families and relationships. And there's actually a lot of meaningful content that is the undertone of kind of this lighthearted elf character. And what I love about that is that we can experience that depth and go into those deeper topics where we can feel compassion and empathy for that character while also experiencing kind of that lighthearted nature. And I think that's a lot of the work that we're doing with Point of View Story is that we're showing these films in a way where we're not graphically depicting deeply painful experiences, but we're showing subtle vulnerabilities and we're able to talk about it in a way where we can incorporate those deep, meaningful, hard conversations and bring it to a space where it feels safe and approachable. It's, it's interesting, the, the, the choices you both made are really go to the point of um, really outstanding storytelling and really outstanding writing and conception of what, of what the going in, even to the point, you know, I, I'm, I was thinking there, the different, you know, Mark, you mentioned the Matrix, of course, the Matrix is a, is a, uh, a, a creation of a, of a world that none of us know, none of us are are familiar with, although there are those elements that come in. And Elf is sort of the, you know, it is a world we all know, and yet they found a way to tell that story in a unique way that didn't sound repetitive. And I think it's very telling that both of those um, examples are now considered, you know, classics of the field. And yeah. uh, 
So, so great storytelling, as you guys know very well, um, takes up, uh, you know, go, goes a long way. So, Emily Taylor Ginger and Mark Steenberger are principals at Point of View Story LLC, based in Indianapolis, Indiana, my hometown. Um, their article is part of the Telling Story Spotlight section in the latest issue of Healing Magazine. Guys, thank you so much for, uh, for being with us on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. The spotlight section of the latest issue of Healing Magazine is called Telling Stories, and that makes our next guest very relevant indeed. Nicole Falcone is a professional storyteller, and in her article in Healing, she describes her journey from a childhood of filling notebooks with thoughts and stories to facing up to her own mental health challenges later in life in order to help others. Nicole joins us in the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Um, I, I mentioned your journey as an adult. You were struggling in graduate school with what was ultimately diagnosed as obsessive compulsive disorder. And in addition to working with a therapist, you discovered a way forward through the power of stories. And I'm wondering if you can give us an overview of what you found in your researches. Yeah, so storytelling has always been my way of navigating the world. And when I was suffering from obsessions, which I, you know, at first I didn't know what was going on, but I was a medical writer at the time. And so I went to Barnes and Noble or the local bookstore in Manhattan and I scoured the bookshelves for a book on OCD. And I found a book by one of the leading experts and I flipped right away to the back of the book where it said there were little vignettes, little stories of people who recovered. And I remember just sitting there and reading the stories and starting to cry because, you know, hearing the treatment was one thing, but reading the stories of people who had been suffering and been kind of in a prison of their own mind and then were better from the treatment was really what inspired me to get to get help too. And I still have that book. And um, even though now my OCD doesn't plague me, um, if I, whenever I meet someone who has OCD, I always send them a copy of that book or I um, look back at the stories myself and think like, I remember when I was like this person too. Um, that is an example of something you offer a lot of in your article, which are insightful perspectives. And one of them that I was really fascinated with was you believe that everyone has what you call the storyteller's instinct. What do you mean by that? Uh, well, I was an English teacher for a little while, so it might be that, you know, that I believe everyone's a writer. Um, but yeah, storytelling is, if you look back in like the history of humans it's our way of communicating everyone loves a good story whether you're sitting around the table with your family or when you get together with old friends um, I feel like story is our way of of really communicating and it's the thing that sticks in our mind it's why like we all love to watch television listen to podcasts um, read books and so I think we all have the ability to tell stories. I don't think a lot of times when I used to teach, people would say, well, I'm not a writer. And I was like, well, but you write all the time. Like you're texting your friends, you're writing them about your day. Um, and so I think we all have the ability to tell stories. And I think 
we also tell ourselves stories about ourselves and about our life and um, who we are. And, in, and I think in therapy, especially, it's a time to kind of question some of those stories or build on the stories that really give us freedom and allow us to thrive and maybe pick apart the stories and the schemas that are holding us back. It's interesting because you mentioned another observation in your article is that in listening to someone tell a story, and especially in what you were saying there, the, the therapeutic setting, you have to pay attention to more than just the content. What else should we be watching for? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, when you talk to someone and you hear them tell a story, it's not just what they're saying, but how they're saying it, the emotions, the feelings behind it, um, whether it seems like they really believe what they're saying. Sometimes we tell ourselves stories about ourselves that maybe we don't even believe. They're just kind of passed on from things that our parents told us or we heard from friends and we have to question whether those are actually true um, to ourselves. So as a, as a storyteller, I'm often looking at not just... Uh, what someone's saying, but how they're saying it and how they're delivering it and how they feel. Well, we ask each of our guests on the podcast for a life hack. This could be um, a piece of good advice you've heard, maybe a favorite saying, maybe it's just a tip to do something around the house a little bit better. Nicole, what's your life hack for us today? Um, so my favorite saying that I tell myself all the time is don't let perfect be the enemy of good. And I think it applies to every part of life. I'm a parent um, and of young kids. And I often, you know, there's no perfection in parenting. Um, so a good enough, good enough packing the lunch, good enough uh, raising them. Um, yeah, I feel like it's just so useful in all parts of our lives when I was recovering from OCD and still when I'm working on it, you know, I might say, oh, I like I gave into a compulsion, but but I didn't give in to 10 other compulsions I had today. Like that was a good enough day. I think if you are trying to strive for perfection, you're often going to find yourself disappointed or hold yourself back. Um, so I think, yeah, don't let perfect be the enemy of good is just a nice way of viewing life, like let good be good enough. I love that phrase, by the way. It's one of my favorites as well. And what I always think about it is that it, it, it forces you to have more of a longer view. Yeah. Like today, you're, you know, today, you weren't 100% perfect, but you were good enough to get. And then you take that and go forward and go forward and go forward. Yeah. Um, and I think when we're, when we're kind of thinking in our, our own bubble and we think, we, I, I, yeah, I'm the kind of person that chews on problems all the time. How do I get this? How do I get this? It just, you know what, let's just do it. Let's see right. what happens. And there's a learning that goes along with that. Yeah. Nicole Falcone is a writer and storyteller who is currently in training to be a therapist. And her reflection on the art of telling stories is in the latest issue of Healing Magazine. Nicole, it's great to talk with you. Thanks for your article and for being with us. Oh, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. We want to thank Nicole, Mark, Emily, and all the folks who contributed to the latest issue of Healing. Remember, the electronic version of the issue and its various articles are available online now at www.healingmagazine.com. 
where you can also sign up for a free subscription to the print version of future issues of the magazine. I want to point out that the folks we talked with on the podcast actually reached out to us with their story ideas. And as you can see, we love that. If you have an idea for a story for Healing Magazine or for a subject of this podcast, or maybe just a comment on how well or how poorly you think we're doing, please let us know. Our podcasts are produced by Robbie Allred. I'm Bob Martin. Thank you for joining us. And we look forward to having you join us again for more Conversations with Kids Peace. Until then, take care.